As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show, Built to Last. I've got the incredible Ann Hill with us today, and we were just chatting about our backgrounds in athletics. I always love having a guest who has a background in athletics because I use sports analogies all the time, so we're going to have a lot of fun today. There's just so many things about business and taking care of yourself as well uh, that I'm sure Ann uh Learned a lot when she was an athlete, um, playing at the collegiate level and then building some incredible businesses. So Anne, welcome to the show. We're super happy to have you. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Well, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about yourself. So fill us in on uh, your business or businesses, uh, what those are, who you serve, and then let's dive into some of your story about how you got to where you are. Yeah. So my business is Hilltop Operations and Consulting. And um, I started my business about three, three and a half years ago. And um, at the time I had no desire to um, be a business owner in all honesty, even prior to um, having my business, I never really thought entrepreneurship was the direction I would go. Uh, But ultimately it ended up being the right right thing at the right time um, that made me start my business. And it definitely has grown and evolved over the last few years. I really focus now on um, the operations space, working with business owners and working with agency owners and helping them set up their structure and their their foundational systems in their business so that uh, they don't all revolve around the business owner and that, that the business owner can eventually get that life and time freedom that they once hoped and desired for when they started their business. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. So you've been in this business three and you said three, three and a half years. Yeah. Um, Tell us a bit about what your background is. I think it's always so fascinating because most of us did not just, you know, graduate from high school, go to college and then become an entrepreneur. I certainly did not. That was not my path. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't become an entrepreneur until, well, my first, first time was about 11 years ago when we had our daughter, but my first career was a high school teacher. And never thought I was going to start a business. So I find it super fascinating. We can hear about someone's background and maybe what other jobs or careers they had. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And then if you could share, like, what prompted you to even start thinking about, I want to start a business and then why the one that you did start? So, yeah, I, uh, my background is physical therapy. I went to school. I did exactly what you were talking about the, you know, high school, college, then went on for a master's degree for physical therapy and was a practicing physical therapist for, um, about 15 years. And in that time, the last probably 10 years or so of it was as a rehab manager at a skilled nursing facility. So a majority of the work that I had done in the end of my therapy career, really was more in that administrative side, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, working on growing my department, making sure we were, you know, managing our budget correctly and making sure we were meeting our our goals and, and stuff in our department to then overall help the the business. Um, And so I 
took that without knowing it. I took that and really started to turn that into more of what I was doing with clients. Um, when I started in the online space, I found a, a VA course um, and I was looking to just see what is out there and, and how can I help business owners. I ended up taking that VA course um, and then growing and evolving from there because with everything that I was doing when I was when businesses were hiring me, I was asking the questions more along the lines of what I had done as a rehab manager. So I was asking questions of that business owner of, you know, what are our ultimate goals here? Where what are their metrics we're looking to to meet here? What are what are we wanting to make sure that we're getting from point A to point B here? Um, and and really looking at what what's the process? How how do you do this and how can we make it better? Um, and and I'd have some business owners come back to me like okay, you're asking me a lot of questions right now. And I don't know if I really want to go into all this. So, um, and, and so the size of business though also evolved that I was working with because a lot of times when I first started, you know, somebody was looking for their first VA hire or their first couple of hires. Um, they were just looking for somebody to really take off some of the tasks off their list. And they didn't necessarily want to think through the questions that I was asking them at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that the businesses that I did start to do a little bit more work in um, and start to put together some of those processes and help them with it um, ended up being biz- bit bigger businesses and bigger teams um, that they had. I also um, went through <clears throat> a director of operations certification um, a couple of years ago that really helped me hone in on exactly the operations space. Um, so that was really when I started to see even more of that correlation of, oh, what I did as a rehab manager and how I was working in the department in the business still really operates the same in a small business and the and even in a corporate structure. Like those foundational levels of making sure you have systems, making sure you have processes, uh, making sure you're you know meeting your metrics and meeting your KPIs and and making sure that the business in and of itself is profitable. Um, yeah. Those those things matter whether you're a department in a major corporation, whether you're a corporation or whether you're a solopreneur, all of these things really are essentially the same. It's just different levels of what you're working on and and what needs to be done with it and how many people you have on your team that's helping you with it. Yeah. So it sounds like you've worked with a pretty wide variety of business owners from solopreneurs and maybe it's just them and they're just starting to hire that first VA for a couple of hours a week. I know that's what I did way back in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I think I've hired my first VA for five hours a week. This was back in 2012, maybe because (laughs) this was all I could afford. I, at the time I was a baby business owner. I could barely scrape like $1,500 in revenue, like cash flow a month, didn't know what I was doing. And that took some things off my plate. And then it sounds like you've also obviously worked with people who are not the solopreneur. So when it comes to team, this is this is such an interesting topic in the entrepreneurial space, especially online, because so many entrepreneurs who are newer to entrepreneurship, they're taking business coaching programs and they're learning all the businessy things. And a lot of a lot of programs are just saying, like, just go delegate it, just go delegate it, just go right. outsource it, just go outsource <laughs> it. And then that person grows. And then they sort of like piecemeal together some contractors and they're still just out there outsourcing it and just out there delegating it. And then they get to this point. This is what I've noticed. And I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about this. I noticed they'll get to this point where they're making multiple six figures, sometimes even up to like 500, 600K a year, but it's still like 
a couple of people on the team, but they're contractors. They're not part-time employees. They're not full-time employees. And it's like, there's this block to continue growing the business because of not really knowing how to lead the team or not really knowing, can I get to where I want to go? Like, can I get to a million dollars with kind of piecemealing these contractors together? And then I even still hear business owners in that position, even saying like, I still am not even sure what to be delegating, even though, you know, they've done quite well to get to multiple six figures um, pretty quickly. So I think my question here for you is if you could walk us through kind of like the progression of team building from you start as a solopreneur and then like, what's the next stage with like getting your feet wet with team. And then at what point do you need to shift? Just kind of like walk us through that. Uh, you know, I've, I've never actually heard anybody actually teach that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, one thing that I also want to point out that you were mentioning there is when, when they're teaching that delegation and telling people to, to delegate, outsource, all that sort of stuff. I find that there's a very big difference between the delegation that people basically think that it's going to be where I'm just going to tell you, this is what you need to do. And now go do it, figure it out, make sure it happens and you're going to do it. And it's going to be wonderful versus being able to effectively truly delegate to someone and fully have it off of the business owner's plate. Um, Because when you're actually getting it off of the business owner's plate, they shouldn't have to come back to you for verification as the business owner. They shouldn't have to come back to you to ask three more questions before moving on with that task it truly would be off the business owner's plate. Okay. Um, Let's start there then. Because <laughs> what you're talking about, and you and I both see it. I mean, I'm not, I don't do what you do. Uh, I have clients, I have team and I can talk to them about certain things, but it's not my main gig to go like help you build your team. What can you describe? Like what truly is the difference between true leadership and delegation and outsourcing? Like what is the difference? Well, the I don't think people know. I don't think people understand the big thing with delegation, whether it truly is an employee or whether it is a, a contractor. But the big thing with it effectively delegating is that you actually are giving some of that decision making power to this other person. Um, and it's not building up a system to where everybody's constantly coming back to you as the business owner to be able to move to the next step. And they're not constantly, constantly coming back to you and causing the system that everything just bottlenecks at you at the you as the business owner. So the key with that delegation truly is, and it doesn't happen overnight. It is a process with it. Um, but the the key truly is, is to letting somebody actually start to have some, essentially some control and some, some, de- some of that, like I said, decision-making power in those things. And it usually will be, you know, various levels of it. It may start off if you have just that first VA that you're bringing in, it may be, you know, having some templated customer service emails that they're responding to. And maybe for the first few weeks when you're training that person, you're still double checking, you're still verifying things. And then it phases out to where maybe once a month you jump in the account and you just kind of scan through, pick a couple, scan through and make sure that they're still you know, answering in a way that you feel is appropriate. Um, But you're starting to truly give them that decision-making with it. And you're not having to review it. You're not having to double check it. You're not having to be the one to hit the send button after they've typed it up. Like you actually are giving them the power to answer those emails and not have them coming back to you with all sorts of questions. Okay. Um, Got it. 
Got it. So that's really what I see is the big difference of effectively delegating it and building out the system so that you are not um, having to to still take up the brain space with it and still not have to um, be thinking about it being done. Okay. Perfect. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for clearing, clearing that up for our audience. (laughs) (laughs) And also it, it allows you to not be that micromanager. Yeah. Also with it, because you're not having to micromanage everything that people are doing. Um, you're giving them the power to, to actually be a mature, responsible adult. So that, that you hired them for. (laughs) So I love the way that you're positioning that though. And the way that you're articulating that, because I think sometimes as, as the business owner, Many of us, until we wake up to this, we are kind of, we're kind of control freaks and a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs are, you know, and I don't mean just like controlling other people, but controlling the narrative, controlling our emotions, controlling, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. many of us operate that way. And again, until we wake up one day and we realize like, holy cow, like that's the way I've been living a lot of my life for, for whatever reason. And there's, there's nothing bad or wrong about that. It's just like, it is what it is. But what you're talking about to me sounds like you're going to get more, your team members are going to be more inclined to truly support you, to show up, to have a great attitude, to be effective, to be efficient when they feel like they have a purpose, when they feel like, like, I really have ownership over this. I don't don't think any of us really love being told what to do and how to do it and how high to jump. Would you say that that's been your experience? When you lead people in that way, they're actually better employees or team members for you. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And especially when you do have those right people that truly believe in what your business is and and how you run your business, they're going to be there to support you. They're going to be there to support the the dreams and the goals and the vision of what you see the business as being. Um, And they're going to stick around so that you don't have that constant turnover. You're going to be happier as as you get more things actually taken off of your plate into where you just know that it's being done and you don't have to think about it. You know, the 10 invoices went out because they've been trained in it. They've done it. You did, you know, the, the adequate training with it and, and it, it just gets done each month and you don't have to worry about the cash flow coming in, you know, just kind yeah. of as an example, um, you know, the things are being done that, that you've delegated out, mm-hmm. um, which is huge to, to have that sort of just, understanding that, that your team is there to support you. Um, you were mentioning kind of the, the window of where you've seen people get to, and then they just kind of yeah hit this threshold. I've actually seen it even in kind of that 300 to 500,000 range of top line revenue, um, yeah. that in that point, people are, are hitting their heads against the wall and they're, they're working, you know, 60, 80 hours a week themselves sometimes. Um, and they're realizing that, that they can't still keep putting in so much time. And they think in order to get over that threshold, they have to work more hours. They, it's mm-hmm. going to be more time on their plate. Um, and, and really it's a matter of looking, at least from what I've seen in the clients that I work with, it's a matter of looking at just that, some of that foundational structure of how it's been built and making sure that the right team members are there um, to be able to, to really, again, delegate effectively to them and then start to free up some of that time of the business owner so that they can grow, they can take on more work. And it's not necessarily meaning that it's more hours that the business owner themselves has to put in to make it happen. Yeah. So that's an interesting place where people get to, I, I find it so fascinating, like from your experience of working with people at that level that you just described, like 300K, 400K right there, they're bumping their heads against the wall. 
they they've got they do have some some degree of team that is supporting them, whatever mm-hmm. that might be. But they probably have contractors at that point, right? A probably lot of them do, yeah. Okay, a lot yeah. of contractors. What is it that you've noticed in the business owner? I mean, I get what you're saying about like the structures and the foundations, but what from like a mindset perspective is preventing them from that next level growth? And I find that oftentimes they do under, at least they have like a knowledge and understanding that, Hey, I kind of get it that in order for me to go to, you know, the next bigger level, it's going to take team. So what's the kind of like mindset blocks that you've identified that people have at that level where they just get stuck there? There's been a few different ones that I I hear pretty regularly. Um, One is that uh, nobody can do it like I can do it. And I still need to be involved in, in this. I can't, I can't figure out how to, to take this and set it up in a way that's repeatable for someone else to start taking this task on. Um, so that's one thing that I've heard. Um, another mindset side of it truly has been that they, um, that they feel like they should be, they should be doing 60 hours. They should be working 80 hours. It's their business. They should be involved in it all. They should be have their hand on it all really is what they are thinking with it. Um, and then also just that they may have potentially had been burned in the past with previous hires that, mm-hmm. um, that they, they want to keep something to themselves still and not give all of the information to their team. Yeah. Um, but ultimately when you're going to build a business, especially like you're saying, getting over that kind of $500,000 mark, you have to have a team. And a lot of times it even makes more sense to start bringing on employees versus team members or versus contractors as your team members. Um, Because the team members, when they're employees tend to be more invested in it just because they can, um, they're, they're putting more hours in. They want to see the growth of the business too, because they, they know um, that what they're doing is having an impact um, with contractors, depending on how much you're, how much time you're putting in, like where you were mentioning that you started off with like five hours a week yeah. or it was five a hours month. a month. It, was, a it month. was five hours a month. Okay. Yeah. Um, well with that, obviously that contractor is going to need some other work too. They're not going to just be able to have you as a client. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at, at these contractors and you, you're wanting them if, especially if they're good ones, like you want them to be putting more time into your work and being more invested in what you're doing. Um, then that's where you potentially would even want to have a conversation with that contractor of if they would be interested in joining you full-time or joining yeah. you part-time, but being an employee instead of continuing in that contractor role and that contractor yeah. relationship. Do you find that when business owners are transitioning from having a few contractors to that land of, okay, I really need to start looking at bringing on an employee. Do you find that there's this big fear around, but I don't make, I don't have the money. I can't afford that. Like what's going on in that person's mind? Like, do they think they have to pay somebody a hundred thousand dollars a year? Like, how do you work? Like, how have you helped people get over that hump of this is going to cost me so much money for me to start going into in the direction of employee? And I see your point. I, I really see your point. And I'm going to have to write down what my next question is because I've got so many getting <laughs> them as you're talking because this is so good. But one of the th- okay, so there's that. And then how do you help people get over the hump of it's going to be too costly for me to have the employee versus the oh. contractors? 
So the first conversations are truly looking at their financials, talking with their accountants, talking with their bookkeepers and having those sort of conversations with the business owner of, you know, what is the breakdown? Where are the profit margins here? If we bring someone on and this is what we're estimating that would be their annual salary, can we afford it? You know, based on where things have been in the past, can we afford it? And then looking at, you know, that cash projection of, okay, well, even if we stay stable, even if we don't grow, which obviously the intent is to grow, but even if we stay stable, you know, can we afford this? Do we have a buffer here that we can, you know, take some of those ebbs and flows that come with, with, with businesses mm-hmm. um, and getting those answers first. But then also I have a lot of conversations with business owners on this doesn't have to go from zero to 40 hours a week, right off the bat, it can go from zero to 20 hours. It it can, you can start with a part-time employee um, and, and look at, you know, what benefits need to be offered versus not offered and that sort of stuff too. Um, But it doesn't have to go from zero to 40 immediately. And, and that part seems to give people a little bit more of that, like sigh of relief, like, okay, Mm -hmm. like, but, but again, you know, if you're, if you're a business and you have aspirations to grow and you're doing well enough that you are growing, um, you know, it, at some point you have to be that, that big business owner and you yeah. employees come with that. That's just how it works. So, yeah. um, there, I think that kind of like you're saying, there is just even that general mindset of, oh, like I've up leveled to where I, I have employees. It's not yeah. just me responsible for me anymore. Like it's time that I step into this new role. Each level of business growth, there's some sort of mindset issue that goes with it. It's just oh, a yeah. matter of, of, of if it's the same devils that keep coming back <laughs> at a new level, or if it is something new that you're having to, to kind of take on and grow with. Yeah. So I remembered what I was the other question I had, because uh, this is something that I see quite a bit, even with, with our clients. Uh, Because a lot of the people we work with, not all, but many of them, they are kind of at this place where we're kind of hovering around this three, four, five hundred thousand dollar. And I don't think I have, I've got one client that has a a particular client with a seven figure business and she does have full time employees. The ones that are in like the 250 to 500, they don't, they have contractors. And over a period of time, what I start seeing happening with them is, They start to feel a little awkward when it comes to leadership and leading someone who is a contractor, because as we know, contractors, typically they are also an entrepreneur. They have their own business. They are trying to grow their own company. And like you said, if they're a contractor, none of us are giving them enough hours for, for them to not go out and have other clientele. And let's say that a contractor has like six or seven other clients. So they're thinking about six or seven other people's businesses and all the moving craziness parts of that on a daily basis. And I find that sometimes clients that we work with, they're like, I get this whole leadership thing, but it feels so weird and awkward to be leading a contractor this in in a way that I would really want to lead someone if they were 100% on my team and my team only as an employee. Is there a difference in the approach to leadership when it's a contractor on your team versus someone who is a part-time or full-time but employee status? 
Well, I think one of the big things that comes into play when they are an employee is that you truly do. I mean, like you have control over their hours, you have control on over when they're doing things for you and when they're not doing things for you. Um, But ultimately the expectation of what you want them doing for you and what their job is and where their expert expertise lies um, and how you are, are leading them. I think ultimately becomes the same because whether they're a contractor or whether they are your, your employee um, the goal is that you're bringing the right people on that share that same vision with you. I know, I mean, I come into to companies as a contractor, I'm technically not, not a, an employee of anyone. Um, but based on who I am and how I operate and even how my team operates is we come in and our goal is to grow that business as if it were our own. So we are not coming in with the intent of, oh, I am only here for this and I don't want to have a part in anything else. I still want to be a part of knowing what's going on in the business and how the business is working and operating as a whole, Mm -hmm. um, because that impacts how I can do what I do for them. And it impacts what potential um, suggestions I may give. Um, So I still want to be working with that business owner the same way, whether I was an employee or whether I was a contractor for them. Um, And so anyone that I even bring onto my team, um, whether they're contractor or employee, my goal is that I am working with them and communicating with them and setting expectations with them just as I would with a, an, like I said, as an employee or as a contractor. Yeah. So, so that's interesting when, when you are bringing in a contractor that has their own business, whose job is it to, to set the expert, like, let's just pretend, let's pretend it's my business and <laughs> I hire you and you come into my company to do your magic in my company. Right. Mm-hmm. So technically I'm one of your clients. Okay. Correct? I would be one of your clients, right? Who, who's setting the expectations? Because again, so this is where I see it get awkward for people. It's like, well, they have their own business. And when I'm like setting these expectations, what I hear people saying is the contractor is giving me pushback. The contractor doesn't want to not necessarily do activities, but, you know, show up for team meetings that you have with the rest of your team or or whatever it is. So, you know, is that like, like who is kind of in charge, setting the tone, setting the expectation? Because like I said, the contractor may be looking at you like, well, you're my client, but then the client who's their business owner is seeing you as, well, you're my team member and I'm the one directing you. and then. That's where I'm seeing it get super awkward for people. So whose role is it to set those expectations and kind of lead? So I think that, well, in all honesty, that's a lot of what I do with the businesses that I come in is I I work in that kind of management leader, team leader role with them. Um, And so a lot of times businesses, um, especially, I mean, when you get to the points that we're talking about, three, four hundred, five hundred thousand, that business owner truly needs to be in that. CEO seat. They need to be working at a different level and not necessarily managing the team. Um, and so that's where um, a, someone that comes in at more of that management level, again, whether it is a part-time, full-time contractor, but coming in that truly can manage the team and work around the multiple schedules with it, have the conversations. It needs to be a two-way street with it though. It's something where you are working um, with that contractor. The contractor is also working with you saying, okay, well, these are the things I can do. These are the things I can't do. This is where I have time to potentially sit in on this. This is where I don't have time Um, and and work together with it. It needs to be mutually beneficial. And if you are getting a lot of resistance and a lot of pushback, 
that that may be something where it's not the right fit for the business and what the business needs. Yeah. Um, so that's where, again, like I said, I tend to come in and, and do those sort of things with the businesses that I work with. So, okay. I think that's the key right there. I think you hit the nail on the head, which is not every entrepreneur is necessarily, should they, nor are they cut out for necessarily to be the one building the team, managing the team, building the SOPs, directing the team. Right. And I think a lot of people believe you know, and, and there's no blame here. They believe like they have to do all of that. They've got to do all those things. And then they wonder why it's not working or they're not good at it, or they're having such a hard time in that particular position in their own company. And if you're listening to this, I hope you like are really getting the lesson here. It doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be you. You can bring Ann in. You could bring someone like Ann in. You bring someone else in who could do those things. And I'm hearing like sooner rather than later, sooner rather than later, because you are what's kind of that bridge you're serving as the bridge. That's like really going to get the company to the next level. Yeah. And we're also looking at, at, you know, figuring out where are the gaps? What, you know, if, if you want to be a seven figure business owner and right now you're sitting at half a million, you know, what are the gaps here and how can we make sure that we, we get to that next level? Does it require more team members? Does it require more hours of certain team members and potentially looking at converting people a little bit in what they're doing and how they're doing it for you? Um, but it's really having that that full-on assessment of what's going on in the business and, and how do you as the business owner can get to sit in the seat of driving it, but not necessarily having to manage all of the day-to-day that's going on with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have kind of like a, a different angle. I've, I've got a, this other question for you. That's going to take us in a slightly different angle. <laughs> so, but I want you to go ahead and share how people can connect with you, where to find you, because I, I mean, obviously you see this as a really big problem in people's businesses because you've got a whole entire business that is serving people in this capacity. And I've been in this industry in the coaching world for 10 years it's one of the absolute biggest problems. And it is absolutely the reason why people are getting stuck and plateauing at this like three to 500 ish level, because they're trying to do things that they really, they don't have to do. They don't need to do. And the answer is bring someone in. So if someone is at this level at this place and you'd be a great fit for them, tell them a little bit more about how you work with people, how to find you, where to find you go for it. Yeah. So my website is hilltopoperations.com and there is a a link there for, you know, scheduling a call, um, connecting with me there is probably the easiest way. Um, and I'm always happy to have a chat with, with anyone and, you know, see if it is a time when potentially my services would be beneficial, or maybe it's, it's not my services, but I might have a great recommendation of who might be a good fit for you. Um, if you are looking to hire, I also do have a a hiring playbook um, that I can give a link to also if people are at that point, it goes through, you know, some of the, the kind of framework of hiring that I do with clients that I work with. And it also has a few questions in it that, that go over, um, you know, what to ask on those interviews. Um, And they're, they're different than, than what you might potentially see there. Some of the the questions that I um, try to think of that are not necessarily the normal things that you'll, you'll hear in an interview. Um, And the link for that is it's um, bit.ly slash hiring dash playbook. Cool. All right. That is in our show notes below. So go download that playbook. If you're listening to this, 
If you feel like you're someone who's really struggling in this category of leading your team, building your team, managing your team, and it's just like sucking the life out of you, or, you know, like Ann said, you're working 60 to 80 hours a week, even though you have team members in place, um, you can also find the link of how to connect with Ann. It's all in the show notes. So very cool. I love it. All right. So I want to kind of go in a slightly different, same category, but slightly different direction. So, <laughs> okay. um, like I said, at the beginning of, uh, this episode, Ann and I both grew up as athletes and, and you played collegiate, right? Collegiate soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I played, um, I played a, a variety of different sports. I think when I was young, I think I tried just about everything. Um, yeah. but I primarily played soccer. Um, and that's what I, I did play in, in college too. Yeah. Did you have siblings that played sports? I have two older siblings and they, um, they played a little bit, but they were much more of the, the studious, they were valedictorians, um, in school. And I was more of the, like, let's go play out on the field instead of reading books. So, (laughs) well, and you've got kids yourself that are into sports yeah, and you know, they're, are they traveling with sports? Not quite yet. Um, my, my oldest is eight. And so he's on, um, he plays baseball and he's on a team that is, has the potential of converting to more of the competitive side if he, he stays with it. But, um, there is so far it's primarily just local. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I always, I always love when I talk to a fellow athlete, because I just think like growing up in an athletic household, especially when you are becoming more of a, an elite level athlete, which I would say like you're playing collegiate or professional, even like Olympic. And it's so interesting because athletes have a particular mentality I was sharing, you know, with you before we press record, my brother played professional baseball and he was just on a whole, I mean, I was good at what I did. He was just on another level. And from the age of six, it was like, I'm going to play professional and even down to how they take care of their bodies. I mean, you are also a physical therapist, so you get it, how they take care of their bodies, their food regimen, like psychologists, sports psychologists, like my brother did all the things. And I know something that you, uh, something that's really important to you is the health side and the health side of the entrepreneur. And also comparing that to, you know, the way that we take care of our bodies and our own physical, mental, emotional well-being, it's really parallel to the well-being of a business. And I'm not saying that athletes are better at this than anybody else, but but I always do bring up, even with my own audience, athletes have got like self-care and well-being down to a science. And I watched it with my brother. I mean, I lived in the house with him and watched it. And it was like, they know, they know when to take off. They know when to relax. They know when to take time off. They know when to eat. They know when to stretch. They know when to lift a weight. Like they just, they have it all figured out. And it's, the better you can figure that out in athletics, the further you're going to go. I remember when my brother was drafted, he was a catcher, which is supposedly one of the easiest ways to get into the major leagues. Hmm. And his scouts told him, if you'll just stay healthy, you'll outrun everybody else because they get injured. And if you just don't get injured and you take care of yourself, you'll, you'll actually make it like you'll have a chance to make it if you if that's what you focus on. And I, I always remember that. I'd love to hear your perspective on this around taking care of the self. What is that? Why is that important as an entrepreneur? And to me, I think if we want to be the best of the best in entrepreneurship, 
it's a requirement to take care of yourself just as it is for an athlete to take care of themselves. If they want to be the best of the best, I would like love to hear your perspective on that. Um, anything you want to share about that topic? Yeah. Well, and similar to what you were just mentioning there, taking care of yourself. I find that athletes have a pretty good read on their body as a whole. Um, and just having that understanding of when they're feeling something, is it a major something? Is it a minor something? Is it, uh, something that needs to be addressed by a physician immediately, or is it something that can wait? Is it something that's going to go away, but they just tend to have a better feel of what's going on, um, physically in their body. Um, and so with that, I, at least that's what I've noticed. And then also on the physical therapy side, just having that body awareness of how you move and what is going on tends to also happen a lot with athletes too, and knowing just what's, what's going on and and how important, um, that that is to take care of versus letting it be for a while. When, what I see in, in the business and kind of how it correlates with business owners, is that they they need to in order for them to be at their optimal self in order for them to run their business the most effectively and the most efficiently in order for them to support support their team the most effectively and still have um I want to say balance but I I don't really feel like it truly is that like work life balance um but in order for them to truly have that um ability to to turn it off I guess is really what it is um for them to do that sort of a thing and turn off their business <laughs> in their head so that they can truly have that personal time. Um, they, they have to have that awareness and they have to be able to, to read what's going on in their body as well. Um, and, and so if they want to be effective at it, then there are tools that, that need to, to happen in order for them to be able to, to understand what's going on. Is it heightened stress? Is it um, something with their team members? Is it, you know, something that's going on that they need to address immediately? Is it something that they can, you know, let simmer a little bit before Mm -hmm. responding and going right back into that next thing? Um, but being able to, again, see, can I turn off my business at any point in time in my head, or is it constantly going in my head? Um, I, I would say that's one of the big things that I definitely see, either somebody being successful at or not successful at. And it does have a role in how long they go and how, how much they really want to build their business um, and how much of a strain and a stress the business in and of itself feels like it is on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the difference between, are you going to be around just for a couple of short years? Or are you going to play this out for the long term? It's interesting in, in pretty much any sport. Like I don't, you can make a sport year round, but I don't know of a single sport that is actually like just legitimately year round. Most athletes, especially at the college and professional level, they have an off season and it's built in. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> they seem I to say, be shortening it, but yes, they do have an off season. <laughs> and I always say like the, the winners the next year are going to be, be the people who properly prepare themselves in the off season, which doesn't necessarily mean keep playing at the same level you're playing when you're in season. And in entrepreneurship, it's almost like it's 365 days a year. Do entrepreneurs have an, is there an off season? Like what's your perspective on like, should entrepreneurs, not should, I shouldn't use the word should, would it be beneficial if entrepreneurs had a built in off season? And I would imagine what you do helps people kind of predetermine because athletes know when the off season is. It's not like they're like, oh, let me just go take an off season. Like, you know, when it is like. (laughs) a year in advance, you know, when your off season is and you can plan for that. What if entrepreneurs 
had a built-in off season. How would that change the game for them? Well, and I think one of that, the huge things with that is truly having, having vacation time, having time when you can unplug, when you can spend it with family, when you can, you know, just even stay home, but not be working. Um, but yeah, that is definitely something that I, I work on, um, with the clients that I work with, because I do want them to be able to take a vacation. I want them to know that their business continues to run and it continues to be successful and it doesn't have to shut down just because they wanted to take a few days off or they wanted to take a week off. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with Mike Michalowicz and the books that, that he writes, but, um, I'm a huge fan of, of his work. I apparently really, um, understand how he communicates and how he, he tells his stories, but he has a book, um, clockwork yep. that it's basically designed in a way in the structure that he puts in that book really is designed in a way for the business owner to be able to take a four week vacation. Um, and, and what I like to do with business owners is really look at, is that possible for you to take a four week vacation? And if it's not possible, then how do we figure out how to make that possible for you. Um, because they do need, they do need that time. They need the time away and they need to know that their business is going to continue to run and is continue to bring in sales and is continue to, to invoice people. It's going to continue to operate and fulfill on the promises that they were supposed to be doing during that four week vacation where the business owner is able to have that off season and have, have that unplugged time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. His partner, Adrian Dorenson lives like 30 minutes from me. Oh, really? That I didn't know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I know they have a big program based around that. Um, and I, I think I heard recently that she, um, had her four week vacation. She had, was on maternity leave. Um, yeah, she just had her second baby. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so that's one of the things, um, I forget if it was on a podcast that I was listening to or where, but they were talking about, you know, they, they planned for her to be able to take a four week vacation. And, and yeah. for her uh, specifically, it was a maternity leave. And I think it was yeah. even going to be longer than four weeks, but, um, but yeah, I mean, think about, I mean, definitely as women, if you intend on having kids or having more kids then being able to actually take some time away and not have your business shut down because of it would be incredible. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I think just a key part of being able to, to be a successful business and, and grow and scale. All right. So listeners, if you want to have four weeks of vacation or more (laughs) a year, the key is you want your business to continue running and growing while you are on that vacation and is your go-to person. So you can check out her, her playbook, her hiring playbook. It's in the show notes below. And also in the show notes below, you can click at the link to go straight to her website, contact her, have a conversation with her. It doesn't mean you've got to make a decision, but it's definitely worth if you've got big dreams, big goals, and you really see something amazing for yourself, your life and your business. And you, you've kind of gotten to this place and you've just plateaued, like you've done well, but now you're plateauing and you do, you do not see a way out of it. Talk to Anne. Um, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for kind of you know, setting the record straight on this whole like team outsourcing, delegating leadership conversation. Um, it's one that we need to have. It's, you know, what you offer people, it, people really deserve, um, they deserve it. Their families deserve it and their businesses deserve it. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was really a great time. Thank you so much for tuning into the built to last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? 
subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.